Good morning. Welcome this second Sunday after Epiphany to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Whether you are a visitor for the first time, a longtime member, or somewhere in between, it's nice to see you here. A few things to share, as always, before we begin our service. First, as a gift to yourself and your neighbor, we invite you at this time, please, to silence your phones. Second, if you wish to receive communion today from your pew instead of the rail, which is also an option, be sure to get your communable from the table in the narthex. Third and finally, I invite you to take a deep breath with me as we stand here before God and prepare ourselves for worship. Last Sunday, in honor of our Epiphany-inspired theme of revisiting the stars, we heard a defense of darkness as it applies to God. Sure, God dwells in unapproachable light, as 1 Timothy 6.16 says, but God also dwells in the mystical silence of a brilliant darkness, as an anonymous Christian mystic of the 5th century once put it. Darkness, we discovered, is not evil. Instead, with respect to God, it's the great symbol, perhaps the greatest we have for mystery. Today, we return to darkness as we ponder another mystery, one from which none of us can ultimately escape. Our gathering hymn in view of our theme for these few weeks is number 553, Christ whose glory fills the skies. Please rise as you are able. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also 
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy God, our strength and our Redeemer, by your Spirit claim us that through your grace we may worship you and faithfully serve you, trusting that nothing can separate us from your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Our first reading comes from Isaiah, the 49th chapter. Here the servant identified as Israel 
speaks to, for herself and describes her honored mission. Called before her birth like Jeremiah and John the Baptist, the servant is not only to restore Israel, the servant's ultimate assignment is to bring news of God's victory to the ends of the earth. God in faithfulness has chosen Israel for this task. A reading from the book of Isaiah. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant and raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his holy ones, to one deeply despised, abhorred by his nations, the slave of rulers, kings shall see and stand up. Princes, they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Word of God, word of light.
The second reading comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. Through God's church in Corinth, as a fractious congregation beset with many conflicts, Paul opens this letter by spotlighting the multiple ways God has enriched and sustained its life as part of the divine call into the fellowship of our Lord Jesus Christ. A reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brothers of Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sacrificed, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Word of God, word of life. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who's, who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed. To Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from like a dove, from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, 
where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father and source of life, and from Jesus, who makes God personal to each of us. Amen. I wish this was coffee. And I wish my homily for you today was one of joy. It's not. I want you to know this ahead of time because the hymn of the day is rather jubilant. So there will be a time as always for silence uh, and meditation between the end of the sermon and the hymn of the day. Just don't be too shocked when, uh, when the hymn of the day comes on. It's a, it's a rather incredible hymn in honor of our theme this season, but it does not totally accord with the mood of the sermon itself. I'll explain why, as you'll see. This sermon is about transforming silence and darkness from pain and evil to uh, the experience of the holy, the holy mystery. Near the end of his life, the 20th century's greatest Catholic theologian, Karl Rahner, wrote a short collection of meditations called Encounters with Silence. Encounters with Silence. In what follows, I will share a, an abbreviated version of its most powerful chapter, which goes by the title, God of the Living. As I read... I want you to notice how Rahner turns the painful silence of loss, which all of us have experienced, the painful silence of loss into something good, namely as the means by which God draws us out of ourselves, strengthening our longing for God and thus deepening our relationship with God. Listen for that. As I anticipate the deepest loss I may ever know in my life, the death of my mother, I will close with a few observations about the reading and how Rahner shows us, if not how to make peace with silence and darkness, at least how to experience God in and through them. I should like to remember my dead to you, O Lord, Rana writes, all those who belong to me and have now left me. There are many of them, far too many to be taken in with one glance. If I am to pay my sad greeting to them at all, I must rather travel back in memory over the entire route of my life's long journey. Think about that for a moment. For those of you who are raised in a church tradition, 
including this one. Think about all the people you've met over the course of your life in church. All the people. I think of my home congregation back in California, a small town uh, with a small Lutheran church, and all the decent, good people I met growing up in that faith community. Many of whom now are gone. When I look back in this way, Ronner continues, I see my life as a long highway, great image, filled by a column of marching people. Picture that. Every moment someone breaks out of the line and goes off silently without a word or wave of farewell to be swiftly enwrapped in the darkness of night, stretching out on both sides of the road. You see that? The number of marchers gets steadily smaller and smaller for the new people coming up to fill the ranks are really not marching in my column at all. True, there are many others who travel the same road, but only a few are traveling with me. For the only ones making this pilgrimage with me are those with whom I set out together, the ones who are with me at the very start of my journey to you, my God, the dear ones who were and still are close to my heart. The others are mere companions of the road who happen to be going the same way as I. Indeed, there are many of them, and we all exchange greetings and help each other along. But the true procession of my life consists only of those bound together by real love. And this column grows ever shorter and more quiet until one day I myself will have to break off from the line of march and leave without a word or wave of farewell, never more to return. That's why my heart is now with them, Ronner continues, with my loved ones who have taken their leave of me. Doesn't that resonate with you? There is no substitute for them. There are no others who can fill the vacancy when one of those whom I have really loved suddenly and unexpectedly departs and is with me no more. In true love, no one can replace another, for true love loves the other person in the depth where he or she is unique and irreplaceably him or herself. And thus, as death has trodden roughly through my life, you can really hear Ronner at the end of his life thinking out loud, every one of the departed has taken a piece of my heart with him, and often enough, my whole heart. Thus I am living now with the dead, with those who have gone before me into the dark night of death where no person can work. But how can I really live with the dead? How can I continue to find life in the one bond left between us, the bond of our mutual love? Deign to answer me, O God, for you have called yourself the God of the living and not of the dead. How can I live with the dead? How can I live with those who have wandered off the highway into the darkness that aligns it? They have gone away. They are silent. Not a word comes through from them. Not a single sign of their gentle love and kindness comes to warm my heart. I think about after the first 
hard death I experienced asking God for a sign. I wanted so desperately for my hope to be confirmed. It was outside uh, my seminary that I was attending in Berkeley. I was the last one out of the sanctuary after a very large funeral for the president who was my mentor. I was his teaching assistant. And I walked outside, I asked for a sign. And what I saw was so subtle, just like silence, just a breeze combing the eucalyptus trees. There's something of God in that, I felt. Not a direct sign, but a subtle sign. In many cases, however, not a single sign of those we have lost comes to warm our hearts. Do they want me to forget them, Ronner asks, as one forgets a fleeting acquaintance he made on a train, a stranger with whom he once exchanged a few friendly but meaningless words? If it's true that those who have departed in your love, Bronner says to God, have not really lost their life, but had it transformed into eternal, limitless, superabundant life, then why do I perceive no sign? But why am I asking this of you, God? You are as silent to me as the dead. I love you too, as I love my dead the quiet and distant ones who have entered into the night. And yet, not even you give me an answer when my loving heart calls upon you for a sign that you and your love are present to me. How can I complain about my dead when their silence is only the echo of yours? Or can it be that your silence, and this is the pivot in the sermon, the turning point, or can it be, Rana realizes, that your silence is your answer to my complaint about theirs? That must be the way it is, Rana continues, since you are the last answer, even though incomprehensible, to all the questions of my heart. I know why you are silent, Your silence is the framework of my faith, the boundless space where my love finds the strength to believe in your love. Thankfully, he explains. If it were perfectly evident to me here on earth, if your love of me were so clear, so manifest, that I could ask no more anxious questions about it, If you had made absolutely crystal clear the most important thing about me, namely that I am someone loved by you, O God, how then could I prove the daring courage and fidelity of my love? How could I even have such love? How could I lift myself up in the ecstasy of faith and charity and transport myself out of this world into your world, into your hidden heart? Martin Luther puts this another way. He says if God were directly observable, there would be no reason for faith. Rahner is saying something like that here. The silence of God has a purpose. And that purpose, as you'll hear now, is to draw us out of ourselves to the loving God who is the source of our longing. Your love has hidden itself in silence, Rahner says, so that my love can reveal itself in faith. You have left me so that I can discover you. Think about that. 
You have left me so that I can discover you. If you were with me, then in my search for you, I would always discover only myself. But I must go out of myself if I am to find you and find you there where you can be yourself. So again, it's the silence of God that draws us out of ourselves and forms the loving relationship we have with God, uh, one we often name as faith. That is how my dead imitate your silence. They remain hidden from me because they have entered into your life. The words of their love no longer reach my ears because they are conjoined with the jubilant song of your endless love. My dead live the unhampered and limitless life that you live. They love with your love, and thus their life and their love no longer fit into the frail and narrow frame of my present existence. What a promise. And that is also the way they live for me. Listen closely. Their silence is their loudest call to me because it is the echo of your silence, O God. Their voice speaks in unison with yours, trying to make itself heard above the noisy tumult of our incessant activity, competing with the anxious protestations of mutual love with which we poor humans try to reassure each other. Against all this, their voice and yours strive to unwrap us and all our words in your eternal silence. Thus your word summons us to enter into your life. So you might think of this as God's unspoken word. Thus you command us to abandon ourselves by the daring act of love, that is to say reaching out, which is faith, so that we may find our eternal home in your life. And thus I am called and commanded by the silence of my dead who live your life and therefore your, speak your word to me, the word of the God of life, so far removed from my dying. They are silent because they live, just as we chatter so loudly to try to make ourselves forget that we are dying. They are silent because they live, just as we chatter so loudly to try to make ourselves forget that we are dying. Their silence is really their call to me, the assurance of their immortal love for me. And Ronar concludes, O silent God, God of the silent dead, living God of the living, who call to me through silence. O God of those who are silently summoning me to enter into your life, never let me forget my dead, my living. May my love and faithfulness to them be a pledge of my belief in you, the God of eternal life. O God of the living, may your living not forget me as I still walk in the valley of death. You have granted them everything, even yourself. Grant them this too, that their silence may become the most eloquent word of their love for me. Isn't that something? How? The silence of God, the silence of those who have passed away calls us to them. Have you ever heard God speak through silence? If you have, Ronner would be an ally. May it lead me to the home, the kingdom they now possess, to the life and light they now enjoy. 
My waning life, and this is the old Ronner now writing, is becoming more and more a life with the dead. I live more and more with those who have gone before me into the dark night where no person can work. By your life-giving grace, O Lord, let it become ever more a life of faith in your light, shining now dimly in this earthly night. Let me live with the living who have preceded me in the sign of faith, who have gone before me into the bright day of eternal life when no man need work because you yourself are this day the fullness of all reality, the God of the living. O my soul, never forget the dead. O God of all the living, do not forget me, the dead one, but come one day to be my life as you are theirs. How does Rahner in this essay, in this reflection, this meditation, turn the painful and deafening silence of loss into something positive? One way to answer that is to consider briefly his view of what it means to be human. For Rahner to be human is to be in a state of perpetually reaching out in everything from acts of knowledge and our search for truth as well as acts of love and charity. Religion, a Christian religion, Rahner claims, brings this natural tendency all of us have into conscious expression, especially as evident through prayer. We find ourselves perpetually reaching out for something that can ultimately satisfy us. And religion answers that by saying, this something is God. We're built for it. And that's something, that infinite horizon is the divine. We're oriented in that direction. Whenever the perpetual reaching out is frustrated or cramped, as it is in Sunday schools where people say, don't wonder, just believe, don't ask those questions. Whenever that's frustrated, our relationship with the divine uh, is affected accordingly. The silence of God as well as our deceased loved ones deepens and enhances our reaching out toward God. We long for those we have lost, don't we? I think about this often, how in the future, I know I'll be wondering if I could just have one more day with my mom. Don't you think that too? If I could just have one more day with that person. The silence, however, has a reason here or a purpose. It beckons us. It calls us. It lures us out of ourselves. Now make no mistake, death, as Paul says, is still the enemy of God. But God, through holy silence, can use something even as horrible as death for the good. Namely, to draw us out of ourselves in loving relationship and longing for God and those who have left us. Now I must confess, I don't want to relate in the near future to my mother this way. I want her here. But rethinking silence and darkness may at least give me strength to face what lies ahead. The silence and the darkness may be, very, may be the very means by which God draws you and me more out of ourselves into relationship with him. We have a name for this relationship. We call it faith. 
And what does faith do according to our first and second readings? It gives us strength and courage to face the unknown. My God has become my strength, we read in Isaiah 49.5. He will also strengthen you to the end, writes the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.8. God, for these authors, does not solve our problems for us. But God does give us courage and strength to face them. That is the promise that even in the face of death and loss, where the ones we loved who are now, are now silent, the human spirit finds its strength in the one for which it longs. God calls us out of ourselves through holy silence, deepening that relationship we have with God. May God grant us this strength, and in the days ahead, may God grant it to me. Amen.
Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed and to those who attended this morning's forum, be sure to look out for line six. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. didn't attend the forum and are curious what I meant, it's actually line eight. It's line six in the second article, but line eight in the whole creed. Feel free to ask me or anyone else who attended the forum what the significance of that line is. We continue with the prayers of the church. For these, you are invited either to be seated or to kneel, whichever your preference. Called together to follow Jesus, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Give your church a new song. Inspire its members to tell of your faithfulness, sharing the good news of your salvation throughout the earth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The waters of baptism call us into life in the spirit. Preserve the world's waters, protect them from pollution, support plants and animals who depend on them, and bring rain in places of drought. Guide us in protecting local waterways and in responding to floods. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In Jesus, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Show your mercy to all nations. Direct leaders to do your will. Fill governing bodies with righteousness. Equip judges with discernment and compassion. Lord, in your mercy, you incline your ear to all who cry to you. Draw near to individuals and communities suffering violence, injustice, illness, or poverty. Hide them in the shadow of your hand and make us signs of your faithfulness to all in need. Lord, in your mercy, you are glorified in the servants you have called. With Martin Luther King Jr., give us bold trust in you. Give us courage to receive your call to repentance and work towards racial justice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For whom and what else do the people of God pray? Lord God, I pray for everyone here who this morning has been reminded of a loved one they lost. Encourage them through your silence to reach out and build their relationship with you. Give them strength and comfort 
We pray as well for Kara's friend, Lena. We pray for the Unseth family, for the Ritchie family, for the family of Ben, for my mother, for Candy, for Lisa's mother, Eunice, for Candy's sister-in-law, Elena, upon her death, for Richard, John's son-in-law, for the family of Ruth, family of Todd, healing for Matthew, healing for John's daughter, Kirsten, Pat's niece, Kathleen, Sally's great-nephew, Finley, for Kirsty, for Michael, upon his death, Heidi's brother, for John's friend, for Christine, Joan's cousin, for Abatash, Mulugeta, Jan, Jean, Richard, Lee, Barb, Denny, Hildy, Mary, Carol, and the Testerman family as they mourn the loss of their father, Jim. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In every time and place, you have received your people into the fullness of your mercy. As we reach out to those we have loved and lost, strengthen us with your love and reassurance that such love cannot be broken even by death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We bring to you our needs and hopes, O God trusting your wisdom and power revealed in Christ crucified. Amen. Please rise now as you are able for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan you proclaimed him your beloved son, and in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and broke it, gave thanks, 
It's not right. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As we prepare our hearts for this holy meal, let us pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, human nature of Christ conjoined inseparably with his risen divine nature that makes him available to us uh, each Sunday when we gather in his name and by faith receive the promise of communion. If you wish to commune in your uh, pew, I invite you at this time please to take out a communable and receive in a moment at my direction. For those who would like to come forward to the rails, Please, of course, use sanitizer. We have wine and grape juice. All are welcome to the table. If you wish to receive a blessing in place of the Eucharist, simply fold your arms. For those communing in your pew, this is the body of Christ given for you. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you.
Let us pray. God, our Redeemer, you have fed us at this table with gifts of grace, truth, and life. As you have gathered us in joy, send us forth as messengers of your peace. Make us shine with the good news of your glory, born to us in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. It's nice again to see all of you here. Uh, thank you for your presence at Queen Anne Lutheran. I know there are other competing uh, voices out there when it comes to how you use your Sunday morning. The fact that you are here with us uh, before the Holy uh, is, is wonderful, a miracle really in a post-religious culture. I wanted to say a few words about uh, um, announcements and uh, um, I'll start by talking about the forum. Uh, today we covered the topic of scripture and the stars. What does the Bible have to say about the cosmos, the stars, and the beings who presumably live among them? What ended up was a short history of how we came to view the universe as we view it today. It was so much fun to be in conversation with you and to follow uh, the wonderful presentation last week by Matt Boyson. We have one more uh, speaker as part of this series next Sunday, joining us via Zoom from Wesleyan University, will be Mary Jane Rubenstein, who will be talking about some of the key passages in her new book, Astrotopia, The Dangerous Religion of the Corporate Space Race. So please join us for what promises to be an exceptional uh, conversation. I also uh, wanted to point out for youth, we're starting to see more events emerge. Uh, one of them is ice skating. So if you are a parent or a young person who is here and would like to attend this, uh, the information is listed there in the bulletin. Finally, of course, the annual congregational meeting is uh, coming up. It's on January 29th. It will be held in the fellowship hall and it will be a hybrid meeting, which means that you can either be present to vote and participate as a member or you can do so online, whichever, uh, whichever you choose. We'll have both available. I will be sharing uh, my pastor's report online from California, and our um, outgoing president, uh, Kirstie Melby, will be sharing her report uh, remotely as well. How do you interpret the silence of God? That's really the question I was asking you in today's message. How do you interpret the silence of God? Is it something that comforts you, as Rahner uh, came to realize? Uh, a way that God entices you out of yourself, uh, almost the way a lover would entice a beloved? Or do you find the silence of God in difficult moments to be painful, if not unbearable? I would welcome a further conversation, so if uh, you would like to answer that question in conversation with me, I'll be around, of course, during coffee hour, and I'd love to hear what you say and what you think. After that, I will be gone for a month. Um, I think I told some of you the story. The hospice nurse uh, told my brother uh, when he was, uh, when my brother said that I would be coming back for a month, uh, the hospice nurse said to him, that'll be enough time. So when I return, I will be, who knows, uh, a different person perhaps. But uh, that's what lies ahead for me. Uh, please include me in your prayers, and I pray for all of you who have struggled likewise. This is a very difficult moment in my life. 
The good news is that you will be in great hands while I'm gone. Uh, two of our favorites, Pastor Terry Kylo and Pastor Christy Daniels, will join us to lead worship on January 2nd, 29th, and then uh, uh, February 5th and 12th. Pastor Terry will also present a forum on some really exciting work he's doing on uh, interfaith uh, reconciliation and conversation. So uh, lots coming up there. And of course, if you need emergency pastoral care, I have several pastors who have stepped up in my place. Um, but you are always welcome to reach out to me to directly. I remain your pastor even though I will be gone. But if you want somebody close by, their names and numbers are listed in the bulletin. Are there any other announcements for the good of the congregation? Then please rise as we close with the blessing. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Our sending hymn is number 314 in the red hymnal, Arise, Your Light Has Come. <laughs>